old school men to serve sheet, you know, where people, they, they sign up to do something in the service. And on that sheet, it had when the uh, addition was finished in the wall of June 2000. Now, not to make you feel any old or, you know, or anything like that, but uh, I was born May 19th of 2000. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just a little bit older than that edition. <laughs> so it, it was an interesting little thing. I, and I, I, got, I got a frame for it coming, and we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to frame that and put it up in there for y'all, kind of like a nostalgic kind of thing. And maybe we can get our own little thing and write when we uh, tore down the walls and whatnot, that kind of thing. But it was just kind of interesting. I was like, wow, that was just a few weeks after I was born. How about that? So, yeah. <laughs> And as you see the slide, um, this is what happens when a preacher has a little too much time on his hands. And I was sick two weeks, and so I had some extra time to think and prepare for this sermon. And so I may be, may be a little too creative with the title. I promise there's a point. I promise there's a point. And the point, you might get it, I, I actually made a joke, too. I made a joke. I don't usually joke. I don't usually intro sermons with a joke, but I made a joke, and maybe you'll see the point of this title. So, a mom and a son, they get off a plane after visiting his grandparents, and this is the first time the son had ever been on a plane. He's just been so fascinated by planes and wanting one of his own someday. And so, he looks at his mom. He says to his mom, you know, could you, could you buy me a plane one day, mom? And she replied, when pigs fly. Giggled and replied, when pigs fly. And at first, the boy, he frowns, he's sad. But then he has a grin on his face. And he looks at his mom and says, well, one just did. Oh, I'm going to have to put a laughing track over that. because <laughs> Otherwise, that's just really embarrassing for me. Um, listen, Michaela, she told me, she told me, look, <laughs> you'll either get a few laughs or you'll just get none. There's my answer, so... You get my point, though. Uh, you get the point of the joke. Didn't go well. I'm not going to do a joke in the intro ever again, to say the least. But so this phrase, when pigs fly, we all know why people use that, right? It's just another way to say, you know, that's never going to happen. Uh, and in the words of the philosopher Justin, never say never. Come on, not even the younger people laughed at that. You got to be kidding me. Next joke that failed. Anyway. So this phrase, when pigs fly, is just another way to say that's definitely not going to happen. Now, as we know, this month we observed what week? The week of Jesus' betrayal, right? The week of Jesus' arrest, the week of Jesus' crucifixion, the week of Jesus' death, and the week of Jesus' resurrection. The Son of God lived on earth. Some would respond, when pigs fly. The Son of God died on a cross. Some would respond, when pigs fly. Jesus was in the tomb for just three days. Some would respond, when pigs fly. Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. Some would respond, when pigs fly. And eventually Jesus will raise all of the dead. Some respond, when pigs fly. So the point of that is much better than the joke, obviously. 
And I don't use that phrase literally. And so for the first time, maybe in a sermon, I'm going to tell you, pigs will fly. Again, I'm not using that literally. You know, I use that with some humor, but the point behind that is serious. And as we emphasized last week, there's going to come a time when the perishable puts on the imperishable, when those in Christ will dwell in His presence. Those who have heard and those who have believed will be raised to life. But this week we see something a little bit different. Did you know that all will be raised? The question is raised to what? So turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. Now I'm going to stick to what I can do. That's not telling jokes. John chapter 5, verse 25 through 29. We're going to read this block of text and we're going to take it slowly because as you've already seen in the Gospel of John, he doesn't shy away from the deep stuff. Sometimes it's really hard to understand and really hard to grasp. So we're going to read this block of text and we're going to break it down. Verses 25 through 29. Truly, truly, I say to you, An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. He has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. In just a few verses, John, he packs so much in these verses. That's why we've taken just a block of 10 verses here and have spread it out over two weeks because he says a lot. It is deep stuff. So taking it slowly, verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now that phrase there, an hour is coming and is now here. How can an hour be coming and here, right? We don't say that about the hours of the day, right? We don't say, oh, the the 7 o'clock hour is coming and is now here. That doesn't make sense, right? So what does this phrase mean? How can an hour be coming and is now here? Well, verse 25, it tells us what this hour entails, right? The dead hearing the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That hour is coming and is now here. So think about this. In John chapter 11, who does Jesus raise from the dead? Lazarus. Jesus calls him out of the tomb and he's raised from the dead. The hour is here and is coming. There's going to come a time when Jesus raises all of the dead. We know this, Revelation chapter 20. For those who were in that class, Jesus, he's come back. And he now raises all of the dead to appear before the great throne and to be judged. The hour has come. Jesus raises the dead. He raised the dead. And eventually he will raise all of the dead. The question is raised to what? We'll answer that in a little bit. Look at verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has also granted the Son to have life in himself. Now this verse here, it almost seems like an explanation for verse 25, for or since the Father has life in himself, he has also granted the Son also to have life in himself. So verse 25, there's an hour that's coming when the dead will hear the voice and be raised for or since 
The Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. It's like an explanation for why or how the Father raises the dead because He has life in Himself. The next question got asked, well, what does it mean to have life in Himself? Well, it kind of seems like the text is saying He has intrinsic life. He has self-sufficient life, right? God the Father, He was not created. He has self-sufficient life. He has intrinsic life. And it says that He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. So if the text is saying that the Father has this intrinsic life and He grants the Son to have intrinsic life, how is that possible? If intrinsic life is self-sufficient, then how do you grant something that should be self-sufficient? Because we understand that the Son wasn't created. Right? Oh, we know that the Son, He was born, yes. He was born, but... He was alive before then, right? John chapter 1. Go all the way to John chapter 1. To refresh your memory, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. The text says, In the beginning was the Word, that is Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus, he was alive before he was born a man. That's what the text is saying here. Jesus was not created. So how does God grant Jesus' life, self-sufficient life? How do we understand that Jesus, he's the only begotten Son of God, right? John 3.16. He's the only begotten Son of God, yet he was not created. He is God. Therefore, He's not created. And so this is where we get the phrase, if you've ever heard of this phrase, eternally begotten. It's this theology that we have, that a lot of people have. Uh, and it's based on the text, He's eternally begotten. There never was a time when the Son was not. There never was a time when the Father did not begot the Son. He is eternally begotten. And I know that phrase is really confusing. <laughs> Because we can't do that. We don't eternally begot our kids. But that's what the implication is with the Son. There never was a time when the Son was not, and there never was a time when the Father was not. They have self-sufficient life. They have eternal life in a way they are life. They're not just the source of life. They are life. Verse 27, chapter 5. He's given him that is the Son, authority to ex execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Now, this is where we pick up answering the question from last week. Well, why did God give all judgment to the Son? The text says, because He is the Son of Man. Because He's the Son of Man. Now, in Scripture, there's a few different ways that this phrase, this uh, title is used, Son of Man. One, it... it denotes somebody as deity or God. In Daniel chapter 7, what you're going to see is that there's this son of man. He's coming on the clouds, for those who were in the Daniel class, and he's coming from the Ancient of Days, that being God. And clouds, they were basically always associated with deity in that time. So the son of man, this title, is associated with deity. It's associated with God. 
Another thing it means is that he is a son of man. He's human. So one, he is God, he is deity, and he is man. So why is that important? Why does that give him the authority to judge? I don't really need to explain why him being God gives him the authority, because obviously if he is God, he has that authority. If he exists as God, all-powerful, there's no questioning that. He has that authority, but understanding him being a man is very important for why he has this authority to judge. It's because he understands. Hebrews chapter 4, we all know this passage pretty well. Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16, the text says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted or tested as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. The reason, a good reason, Jesus is our judge is because he understands, because he was human. There's no misunderstanding this. There are some people who believe he just appeared to be human, but that's not what the text says. The text says that, no, he was. He was in the flesh, He was tempted, he was tested just as we are, yet without sin. Some people think Jesus doesn't understand them. Jesus probably understands humanity better than any of us do. He was tempted and tested exactly in every respect as we have been, yet without sin. Jesus understands our situation exactly. Don't think otherwise. He knows. He knows, and that's part of the reason why he's been given all judgment, because he understands. And think about this, right? Have you ever encountered somebody and they said to you, like, oh, don't, you, don't, you can't judge me, you don't know me? And they base that off of, you don't know my situation. What, who are you to judge me? You don't know what I've been through. And that's a valid concern. But here's the thing, Jesus knows what you've been through. He knows what's in your heart. He knows your struggles. He knows your temptations. He's more than qualified to be your judge. He knows. Back to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 28 through 29. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. See, there's not a single soul that's not going to be raised. Every single person is going to be raised from their tombs. People who have denied Jesus will be raised and stand face to face with the person they denied. People who thought he was full of it. People who thought he was a liar. People who thought he was just a good person will stand face to face with the person they denied. See, everybody's going to be raised, but raised to what? Verse 29. Everybody's going to hear that voice. They're all going to be raised. Verse 29. And they'll come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection 
of judgment. Those who have done good. And now that there, that phrase there, that's a participle in the Greek. So think of a words ending in ing, right? So it'd probably be better translated as those who are doing good. Those who are practicing good will be raised to a resurrection of life. And those who are doing evil, those who are practicing evil, will be raised to a resurrection of judgment. Now you may wonder, well, wait a minute, Aaron. I, I thought we weren't saved by works. We aren't. See, here's a, here's a very key thing you've got to get. Something that I wish I knew long ago. Good works do not earn your salvation. Good works are a result of salvation. Now let me illustrate that. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. We, of course, will preach on this probably like 10 weeks from now. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Good works are a result of salvation. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and show prove to be my disciples. Abiding in Jesus is what leads to good works. What leads to practicing good works? Or you don't become a branch because you've done anything good. No, you become a branch so that you can practice what is good. Again, noticing the difference between basically all the religions and Christianity. If you just do the right rituals, if you pray the right way, then you might get to heaven. But Christianity says you cannot do anything to deserve salvation. No, Jesus, He cleanses you and He enables you to practice what is good. Good works do not earn salvation. Good works are a result of salvation. See, there are going to be those who have yielded to Jesus, who have trusted in Him, who just trust that He's going to work in their life, and they'll be raised to a resurrection of life. And those people Jesus is going to take, He's going to change their life radically, and they'll be raised to a resurrection of life. And then there are those. There are those who think they have everything figured out on their own. There are those who think they don't need Jesus. There, there are those who think they're good enough on their own. There are those who practice what is evil. And they'll be raised to a resurrection of judgment. There are going to be people who tell you you're crazy for believing this. You're crazy to think that Jesus is going to raise everybody someday. No, 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 that's not how it is. We, we just die and we, we just return to nothing. There are going to be people who tell you you're crazy. 
But believe Jesus, it will happen. Pigs will fly. So if you, don't, you haven't believed, you haven't trusted him, believe, trust him. He's going to change you. He's going to work his salvation in your life. It's not just something in the future. It's something now. So believe him as we stand and sing.